Voice with Archbishop Lucas. I'm your host, David Hazen, and today's conversation is about equipping disciples. The first priority in the pastoral priority plan for the Archdiocese is creating a culture of encountering Jesus and equipping disciples. So I'm going to talk about that second part. And obviously with the key word there being disciple, what do you think of? What do you picture, Archbishop, when when we use the word disciple? That's an important question. Another way of asking it is what distinguishes a disciple of Jesus from everybody else? So, you know, when we picture disciple, what is, what's distinctive um, about that? So I, I tend to think first about the um, original disciples who were called by Jesus himself personally, and to um, think about what, what sort of distinguished them or, or what uh, what we see in them and see if we might say we see the same thing or we look for the same thing in, in 21st century disciples. Uh, so the first thing we might say is that disciples are called by Jesus. So it's Jesus' initiative. He sees something in you and me and other disciples uh, that he decides he wants uh, to um bring into the, the heart of his saving mission, which becomes the mission of, of the church. So I, that's a, a, a great um, thing for a disciple to realize that he or she has been called by Jesus for his, his own good reasons. You know, we, we might think, well, I'm not sure I'm worthy or maybe I don't even want to be called, but, but Jesus, the risen Son of God, has, has uh, called uh, disciples. And so he offers them something. Uh, at uh, at the beginning, he he offers uh, his disciples a personal relationship with him, and as we see it play out in the Gospels, we see that the um, the disciples got to spend more time with Jesus, maybe than the ordinary people were invited to. You know, so it was up to them to respond, but he invited the the disciples to be with him. Uh, they enjoyed meals together. They prayed together. He would take them apart from the rest of the crowd, uh, from their families wherever, from their work, and uh, invite them to do what friends do, spend time together, hang out together. So the first first characteristic we might say of a disciple is that, that, that uh, he or she is invited to this personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus communicates to his disciples that he wants to be part of our lives, and he wants us to let him do that. So he, he doesn't force himself on his disciples, but they... Uh, uh, Include Jesus in their life and their in their activities at his request at his invitation. Uh, coupled with this, it seems to me, and when we see this in the many of the first disciples, at least it probably was the characteristic of all of them that they had to leave something behind in order to to uh, respond to the invitation of Jesus. So life had to change somehow. Uh, their priorities had to to change. Uh, in terms of their understanding of God's plan for the world and for them, but also in terms of how they spent their time and, and, and energy. More of it was to be given to Jesus and his saving plan and less to, to plans that they themselves would have have devised. So I would say, so that's the character, first characteristic we might say. They're in, people, the disciples are invited to be close to Jesus, to have a personal knowledge of him, not just know about him, but to really know him, allow themselves to be known. And that, that relationship with Jesus becomes a priority. So it means maybe other things are given up or left behind or diminished so that they 
that this new relationship, this greater good, begins to shape their, their lives and their decisions. So there's a second thing that if you, uh, I talk about this when I uh, preach at confirmations fr frequently, uh, because I, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to disciples. The gift of the Spirit is not just doesn't just fall like rain. So it's, it's, it's particularly given to equip disciples, which is I think, part of the, you know the topic of our of this conversation. But but then the second thing, Jesus not only he, so he doesn't only want his disciples to hang out with him as good as it is to hang out with Jesus when, when we have the chance. And I say that very respectfully of, of that privilege. But he, he lets them know that he's also going to send them out. So the, the some of their life is not going to be to be in this group of disciples with Jesus, living with him and other disciples, as good as that is and as important as it is, as essential as it is for, for every disciple. But a second characteristic, second essential Part of discipleship is to be to be sent out and to take the experience of being in a personal relationship with Jesus that has changed one's life, so that it has helped somebody reorder his or her priorities and time and attention and faith, particularly. And now to go out and to be willing to share that experience with others. Uh, we see that happen for the first time clearly uh, on uh, Pentecost as is described in the Acts of the Apostles. There are other times where Jesus, a few places in the Gospels where he sends his disciples out, and they come back and recount their experiences. So they're, they're still very much attached to being with him, which we always must be. Uh, but they go out and, and they have some successes and some failures and, and some confusions. But what we see particularly on the, on the day of Pentecost, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the first apostles and disciples, they go right out the door, and they begin to share their experience of Jesus with others in a more public way. And the experience is kind of astounding to them, I imagine, because as soon as they start sharing their knowledge and love of Jesus, people start believing. So the, the witness of the disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is effective. And it makes it possible for others to believe, even though they've never seen Jesus face to face, in this world like those first disciples did. So they actually communicate Christ's presence. So in a sense, the, the, the 3,000, the, the people who say, we want to be part of, of this body, we, we want to join, we, we want to follow him, they're actually following him. They're not just following Peter or the other remaining members of the 12. They're following him as it's now possible to do uh, in the church, so that we we become incorporated into the living body of the risen Jesus in in, in the church. So it's uh, we say this, that there are two things that it isn't. It, it's not simply following the disciples and being sort of enamored with them and their uh, some uh, personality personality yeah. or some characteristic of uh, of theirs. And and then it, it's it's also not just a private um, imagination of of being in a relationship with Jesus, but it's a it is. They're invited to a relationship with him, in fact, in his living body in, in the church. So it's very clear on, on Pentecost that those who, whose faith was real, who, who believed right away, asked for baptism. They, they wanted to become part of uh, the risen Jesus, however they could understand that at, at, at the beginning. But the, the scriptures want us to understand that, that that's really what they're being in, in, invited to. Not a, they're not invited to... Uh, uh, simply imagine Jesus or to have a sort of a warm feeling that Jesus loves them, which he does, of course, 
but uh, the, to as the uh, the, uh, the first disciples, they're they're invited, you know, to come close to Jesus, but also to to leave something behind and to make a decision to be become part of the, of a new way of life. Repent to be baptized. Repent to be baptized. Clearly. So obviously, we talk about equipping disciples. Christ says, "Go make disciples of all nations." And I think as we mentioned before, talking about this call to evangelize, we, we feel that weight to greater or lesser degrees amongst us here, here in the church, local, a number of people say, oh, we, we, know, we know we're supposed to evangelize. We know we're supposed to share the faith uh, with our family, with our coworkers somehow, but there's a, sometimes a timidity or a sense of something lacking. We don't feel equipped. So this is, I think this is the insight that's in the, in the pastoral vision that we've been following this year. Um, so equipping disciples is one of the priorities. It's explicitly named. What does it mean to be equipped or to equip other people? That's a good question. We can look again to the first disciples. We, we can imagine them hearing from Jesus, who they were coming to believe in as the Son of God. We can imagine them saying, I hear what Jesus is asking me. He wants me to go out and uh, share my faith with others, share, be his witnesses. And I, I want to do it because I know he's asking me but I don't feel like I'm up to it. I don't really feel comfortable doing it. Or, or, or as we would say today, we don't, I don't feel like I'm equipped uh, to, to do it. So he told them, don't be afraid. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, he didn't say this in so many words, but the message was, you'll have everything you need. You'll be equipped. So they were equipped first because they did know Jesus and they were witnesses to his preaching and witnesses to his miracles uh, many of them were on the receiving end of his mercy, and uh, and then they were witnesses to the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So then they had that certain knowledge, you might say, and and then it was the Holy Spirit that that made it possible for them to take that knowledge and turn it into a witness, and equip them to to share that to share that with others. So we are not in exactly the same position. So we haven't seen Jesus face to face. We haven't. Um, heard his teaching and witnessed his miracles in the same way. We receive that from the scripture, of course. Uh, but Jesus tells us the same thing. You've come to know me. You've allowed me into your life. Now I'm asking you to go out and, and to be my disciples, truly. Not secret disciples, but public disciples to witness uh, to me in, in public. And I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit to make that, that possible. It's doesn't The experience for us isn't the same as the experience on that first Pentecost, I, I don't think. But, but we have to say the same powerful Holy Spirit that was given to those first disciples is, is given to us. So we need to put our trust in the power of, of that gift and that relationship, God with us the Holy, through the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's up to us in the church in our time to help one another, have the tools, uh, have the courage, perhaps, and have the experience of what it means to, to evangelize, to be an evangelizing or a missionary disciple, as, as Pope Francis refers to it. I wish I could uh, give a simple formula for that, um, for myself first, but uh, for the rest of us. Uh, it's part of the responsibility that we've taken on in, in moving into this pastoral vision, that we um, look at some of the things in the church in our time that seem to be helping disciples become equipped to be missionary disciples and see how we might adapt those to family life, to parish life in our archdiocese. As we look for, I guess, examples of, of this being equipped, of the word that comes to mind when I think of someone 
who's a disciple who is taking those steps. Um, not necessarily that they have everything together, they have all the answers, but uh, they have, in my experience, a confidence. I've, you've probably seen this um, a number of times. People have a, a certain confidence, not braggadocio or, or they're not proud, but they know to whom they belong and they know where they're supposed to go. Um, beyond that, they don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right? So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, some friends of mine who, who are at a parish here in town and uh, they're a young couple and uh, uh, the parish in question has a significant population of uh, refugees. And I think they were talking to somebody in religious education and said, we just need somebody to help with this class. And, and this young couple actually would, we'd say are, are better formed than most because they've, they've taken on, they've had extra formation and, you know, theology and, and, and they've taken those opportunities to, to learn to pray well and, and with one another. So they took it on and they said, we have no idea what's going to happen. We get into this room, we are not at the same culture of these people. We don't know how many of them are actually understanding what we're saying, but, but I was, I was struck by the fact that they, um, they have that, that mark of, of the confidence to go. And then it, it seems that part of, I mean, so sort of paradoxically that part of the equipping happens in just being in, in the place kind of, you know, like being put in the classroom, being put in that mission field, then that's part of the whole process of being equipped is, is being there in a way. We can give into the fear uh, or a sense of inadequacy, you know, that we're really not equipped. And so I've got to wait until I get some, to some level of, of being equipped before I really can witness my, my faith uh, to others. And uh, for most of us, then we never, we probably never get there to, to, to that point. We have to take Jesus at, at, at his word, uh, that he loves us, he's called us, and if he wants us to be his disciples and his friends, then he, he is equipping us uh, to, to witness our faith to others. And, and we start with a small circle, you know, so we start with a spouse or a family member, child, grandchild, co-worker, and we believe that, that the Lord is providing us opportunities to share our faith with them. We have to be alert to, to those opportunities, or we have to say, I'm going to cooperate with Jesus in creating, in creating that. Um, so why are we doing it? I think that that's, that's part of, um, it, it helps us with our, with our motivation and helps us maybe overcome our fear. If, if we if we remind ourselves that, that evangelization is, is rooted in two loves, we might say. First is our love for Jesus and the love that he has for us. And we, we can't really be effective disciples and effective evangelizers if we haven't experienced the love of Jesus, experienced this forgiveness, and if we're not convinced that, that, that that's real. In the church, there are many opportunities for us to experience that personally and in our own prayer in the celebration of the sacraments. If we think we're being called to be disciples, then, then we need to spend the time with Jesus that disciples do spend so that we can be con convinced of, of his love. The second thing is we, we have to understand that he's sending us out to love our neighbor and that if we have this great gift of a relationship with Jesus and if we acknowledge that he is our savior and that he's saving me, um, then we want to share that with others for their sake. And with that kind of orientation, I think, with a sense that Jesus is sending me to, to love my neighbor and to love my neighbor enough that I would even or especially share my faith in Jesus with them, again, in a neighborly way, in a, in a friendly, non-threatening way. And then as you say, we see what happens. Uh, I'm never sure that, some, that that's going to make sense to somebody else or that it's even going to be welcome. 
But if I love my neighbor truly, then I want to share what I have uh, with them. And then we, we see what happens. Jesus has given us the parable of the sower. Uh, I think it should be an encouragement to all of us, you know, that we, we try to share the faith. We sow the seed everywhere we can. And sometimes it, it takes root somewhere. It's really, there's fertile ground. It's a, there's a, a desire, a need. People accept it. And sometimes not so much. Being sent out to uh, evangelize and to be equipped by the Lord to evangelize is not necessarily um, being sent out to accomplish something. Sent out to offer something, sent out to offer something, someone really as a gift. And ultimately it's the Lord's work. And, and if through our efforts and our instrumentality, somebody hears the invitation of Jesus, then they'll be able to respond to him. And then we can give all the encouragement that is within us to give as someone else uh, hears the call to discipleship and, and begins to respond. That should be a, a freeing thing <laughs> to hear for. Uh, a lot of the people um, you've mentioned that you've you've heard from in the listening session process uh, over a year ago, who said these sorts of things like I don't feel equipped or um, or they feel inadequate to answer the objections of their younger family members or their children who've, who've since left the practice of the faith. Um, it sh- there should be a hopefully a, a something of a relief at least that, that they they orient that that pain that they feel or that burden that they carry toward him and not and not so much a sense of this is something I failed to do I, I failed to accomplish we don't want to um, give give into a sense of failure ourselves and thinking you know, well the Lord's asking me to accomplish something and I'm not accomplishing it he's, he's sending us and inviting us to share our faith as only we can with our using our words but especially our friendship our kindness the warmth that Jesus has put in our hearts we want to share that that warmth with others. So we don't want to blame ourselves if people don't come flocking uh, to the Lord uh, or that, or it doesn't, something doesn't happen immediately. Uh, nor do we want to uh, sort of take upon ourselves the responsibility to sort of make people do something or convince them that they, they have to do something. It, it, it's a mistake. It's easy to understand, but it's a mistake to, to say, you know, how can I get my children and grandchildren to come back to church? How can I get my son to baptize his child? Uh, how can I get my neighbors who don't come to church very often to come? I mean, I, that, that comes from a good place of our desiring something uh, for them. It's important, though, that that, that, that we pray about that and and uh, help uh, ask the Lord's help in understanding that, that what we uh, offer is always a gift, and it's freely given. It's an invitation uh, from, uh, from the Lord. We f- fall short in these areas often because we don't Make it personal enough about ourselves. You know, we, the evangelization isn't just about me, but it is about me uh, sharing what the Lord in his goodness has done for me. And to, to invite others, whether it's family members or neighbors, co-workers, to, to think that that could be possible for, for them, too. It's, um, we've talked about this before, you know, there's a certain patience in, in, involved in all this. It, it, we'd like it to happen by Christmas or by Easter. Yeah. And uh, there, it's nice that we have a sense of urgency about the the importance of evangelization, but we can't impose an urgency on the response. Can't, can't impose anything, really, uh, and, and have it be evangelization, truly. Yeah, I was reminded as we were, as we were talking about uh, Mark chapter 10, 
um, particularly as our Lord talks about the hundredfold that you'll receive. And for anyone who gives up lands or family, uh, and you'll receive all of those times a hundred and persecutions, he adds, and eternal life. Um, so I think sometimes we we forget that. I, maybe it's a particularly American thing in some way, like, as you mentioned, that that we have this. We really want to succeed. We want we want to, we want to be received. We want what we're giving to be picked up by the next person. But there's this always this space for um, the mystery of uh, the the freedom of the of the person. And Jesus himself says, I've chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil. Like you would think that God himself would be better at human resources, but uh, he even says, you know, this isn't all, I know that I, even I will be refused. And and this is the drama of the cross, right? We, we're going to experience that too, right? Uh, so I think, anyway, sorry, I, I think that there's something there uh, as we, as we talk about equipping disciples, as we come together, um, as we're talking about in, in um, some future episodes, we'll be talking about some of the offerings that the evangelization office is putting together for forming leaders and people at the parish level um, in this kind of work. Uh, the first thing we'll be gathering as disciples and, and, and sharing these crosses, sharing these prayers and these desires. Um, so any, any more encouragement in that, in that direction that you want to want to offer as we sort of sum up what's on what's, what's to come. We can't think of being disciples of Jesus truly, as I've said, unless we're close to him, rooted in him. And so that means spending time with him, uh, coming to know him in the scriptures, coming to know him in times of adoration, uh, experiencing his, um, the power of his death and resurrection in the mass, experiencing his mercy in the sacrament of reconciliation. There's all these opportunities that are given to us who are already members of the church. Those aren't, are not simply things on a checklist. For us to say, I'm a good Catholic because I do all these things. It's it's the the living Son of God offering him, himself to us in those opportunities. We can't begin to think of, of being missionary disciples, evangelizing, without first knowing the living Jesus. And he's not trying to hide from us. He really wants us to know him. And there are good spiritual guides, good preachers, spiritual directors, teachers, many people who in many ways in, in the community of the church help us come to know the Lord and and uh, put, and put our faith uh, in, in him. So I would encourage uh, us who are sort of wrestling with this understanding of evangelization, which we'll be, always, which we'll be talking more about as we go along, uh, to know that we have to be rooted in, in Jesus first. And, and that uh, our, the personal response to him in faith is um, primary. Uh, it's his invitation, but he, but he respects our freedom and he's inviting us to 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 respond and then we come as we come to know one another as we come to know other disciples we share our experiences as the lord sends us out and then as we come back together we share the experiences we've had in in evangelization in formal ways and also informal opportunities and learn from from one another and we have some people in our archdiocese happily who are very skilled in the ways of discipleship and again, not just accomplishing tasks in the church, but who, who know the Lord and have learned how to share him in a way that seems to be received by others. So we can imitate them, learn from them. We each do it in our own way, as I say, but, but there are, are methods and, and uh, practices that, that can be learned or tried on for size, you know, and we, we have become so organized in the church in this country, particularly. It's a marvel, really, our parishes and schools and, and other apostolates and, 
Uh, we're task oriented, I think, but, uh, by nature in this in this culture. So we tend to see, in, in too limited a way, we tend to see evangelization as a, as a project. You know, and we, it'll take a certain amount of time and it'll touch a certain number of people, and we'll see that we have have success. That really is not the the, the nature of the church. Our these our institutions, our organizations can can be effective tools of evangelization and have been in the past, but. Uh, the ones that have been effective in the past may not necessarily be the things that we need uh, moving forward. So we have to be wise and prudent in in, in, uh, in discerning that. But but really, we're not just trying to fill up the pews. We're not just trying to make our parishes bigger or stabilize them in terms of numbers and and income. I'm not opposed to numbers and and, uh, and income whatsoever. <laughs> but that really is not the task that Jesus is is giving us right now. He's asking us to go out to. to to share our knowledge and love of him with others in a very personal way, and then to leave uh, a lot of it to him and, and to the, the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But the Lord's promises, the power of the Holy Spirit, those are still effective after all these centuries. And my confidence is that if we, if we do what the Lord is asking of us and we do it generously, freely, with a real love for those whom we are encountering, that uh, it will bear fruit in the Lord's design, but it'll, it'll be beautiful fruit and we'll get to see the effect of it. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.